0: the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. I'm delighted to have two guests on my show today, which is a rare occurrence. The first of them is Paul Britton, who is the Chief Exec of Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Paul. Good to have you. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. And the other is Richard Collins of CSR Accreditation. How are you, Richard? Very well. Thank you very much, Mark. And um, yeah, glad to be here. Good to have you both here and it will become clear to listeners why you're both here and how that dovetails a bit. So, Paul, you are the Chief Exec of Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce. I am suitably impressed. How did that happen? What what was your sort of journey to to that role?
1: Similar background to yourself, Mark, so background in economic development. So, primary focus in the midst of time about 20 years ago was actually helping foreign-owned companies to set up in this part of the world. All of my working life has been in the Thames Valley. And just doing the math earlier about that, let's just say it's over two decades. Most of that time spent with membership organisations, 12 years now with Thames Valley um, Chamber of Commerce and, and six years as Chief Executive.
0: Lovely and enjoying every minute of it, I'm sure absolutely yeah spot on forgive me you have to be fibbing nobody enjoys every minute of their job <laughs> but let's not let's not delve into the difficult bits and richard csr accreditation is interesting what's that and would you like to explain to listeners as well the the link that you have with the chamber and and sort of why you're on this this show today
2: yeah i think there's quite a strong link i mean i'm interested in helping businesses behave responsibly for their internal audiences and external audiences so looking after the planet looking after their people looking after the community that they live and operate in and supporting charities in other words it's about helping businesses be better and in many ways the chamber does the same thing but from a slightly different perspective it's about supporting local business helping them be better and engage with their staff and their customers and their supply chains
0: Okay that sounds I'm not my tongue is nowhere near my cheek when I say this but that sounds very noble really it's a it's a good thing to be doing. So the link with the chamber do you have a role?
2: Yeah so my role is I serve as the president for the Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce Buckinghamshire group and I've been involved with the chamber now for quite a long time actually probably getting on for maybe five or six years so you know vice president then president and I think it becomes because I'm Buckinghamshire based, as you know, Mark, I mean, we've spoken before and I sit as well on the executive for the Marlow Chamber. You know, I, I'm passionate about, you know, working with membership groups and supporting local businesses. My background as a branding specialist was very much supporting SMEs, especially in the days of Business Link, when there was match funding to support local business, small businesses and promote them. You know, I, I think with my, my role with, with the Chamber has been very much about engaging with the SME businesses primarily rather than the larger corporates and creating the roadmap and the guidance to help help them flourish. Oh. The organisation is the Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce,
0: but Richard is the President of Buckinghamshire, so that should lead listeners to be thinking that it's regionalised in some way. and yeah. the Thames Valley is a big place after all. so what's what's the setup, what's the structure, how do if somebody joins, what are they actually joining? Are they joining Buckinghamshire or are they joining everything? what How does that all work?
1: Okay, well, there's a few th- there's a few things in there. The first thing to say around probably around the structure is is the scale is the scale of the organisation. And and when people talk about Thames Valley, it is you know there's not a neat public administrative boundary around it. There's not a ribbon around it. And and that that's part of you know, my role is to to raise the profile of of, of the region as a powerhouse of the UK. So in terms of structure, the first thing I always say is that my role is full-time. Sometimes with chambers, there's there's a different vision as to what scale and scope the organisations have. I'm responsible for 41 full-time employees and collectively we serve members and customers across Buckinghamshire, Berkshire, Oxfordshire, and Swindon. So that's that's the scale. And and, and the way that we're organised is that we represent both sectors and place and that's what helps to make us different from other business representative organizations and richard supports us supports me personally as the as the advocate as a champion for those things that are most important to businesses in that place in that business community that is buckinghamshire and i'm fortunate enough to have other local presidents that represent reading and wokingham swindon bracknell and uh, oxfordshire and um, and elsewhere so that's what forms, if you like, uh, the reach that we have as a uh, as a regional organisation.
0: Forgive me for asking what might seem like a naive question, but what do you do? What's the chamber for? Is it a networking group? A lobbying group? Or is it is it many things rolled into one?
1: Predominantly, as Richard set the scene well, we we're here to to ensure that the, this local community is the best place to live to live and work. So we're we're born, if you like, out of 150 years of history and. know in this day and age that kind of legacy doesn't always leap out as an attribute but I think in the context of the chamber it is it means that we've been agile and modernized an organization over that time but very much still at the heart of what we do is we we tend to attract civically minded businesses that want to contribute to future-proofing their local communities and whatever comes with that Um, I'm also responsible for making sure that at the end of each year, because we're an annual subscription based organisation that we're delivering on our commercial obligations as well to to secure that. Uh, And we're also providing services to outside of membership around trade facilitation, for example. So just under half of the employees that, uh, that I'm responsible for are focused on just that. They're focused on helping predominantly SMEs across Buckinghamshire and elsewhere to navigate their way through the, the paperwork but also the opportunities that are there globally so as you yeah. can as you can hear mark you know in in my voice there's there's a huge amount to what we do and i'm trying to uh yeah. trying to pick those things that i think will resonate most with the audience that you have but fundamentally yeah. we we we're, we're a business we're in business to serve business and that um that makes my day job very interesting
0: just one thing to pick up on there about the, the international trade stuff. I know that Europe is only a small part of the whole world, but just to focus on Europe for a moment, Brexit must have caused that team that works for this a phenomenal headache because whatever the small book was, it got thrown out and replaced by a new one, except it didn't because there wasn't a new one yet and we're probably still developing it. So they must be pulling the hair out.
1: Yeah, I mean, suffice to say that that period of uncertainty and there's still there is still some unanswered questions around the trade cooperation agreement. But certainly when that that agreement was launched over over that new year period, um, there wasn't a lot of festive activities going on at the chamber. We, we were we were here picking up the phone for SMEs, some of which were looking at having containers and uh shipments and goods that are in mid-transit and ask themselves the question you know what on earth kind of paperwork in order to get this through um through customs and through ports so it has been a really challenging time for for SMEs to navigate through but i'm, I'm always impressed by the resilience of of, of of businesses that they have hoped and managed um, some have found it. I have to say too much in terms of the in terms of the paperwork and and have decided to focus on other markets or just focus on the uk but the greater greater majority have, have stuck with it and have found ways to, working with us to to still get their goods in uh, through the supply chain and, and where they need to be the story continues though mark the story continues
0: so richard you're president of the buckinghamshire chamber so what does that really involve what what's I don't want to sound in any way negative, I don't let it come across that way, but what's the Buckingham Chamber for? What's the point of having the individual chambers? And how do you go about influencing the larger organisations?
2: Well, the thing is that I think it's unique about the structure of the Thames Valley Chamber as, 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 in terms of its a group of um, diverse, you know, geographic areas. And that's, you know, and then you kind of got the regional group and then, you, then you're then you part of a national group. So it's a bit like this sort of the sustainable development goals in which they kind of, you know, when you sign up to something like that, you're part of a greater community of organisations all doing the same thing. So you feel that you're part of something bigger. And I think that's a point of differentiation from, from being, say, a, a localised membership group, which is great for local focus. But the, the, the thing about you know, being connected to the country is that you get to tap into that pool of content and information and just picking up on that import export. You know, a good example with members that I've spoken to directly in Buckinghamshire, you know, they've they've kind of joined the chamber purely because they needed support and help with the documentation around import and export, especially the um, certificates of of origination and and letters of credit and things like that. And in one or two cases, I know of organisations that have actually saved money through their membership because of the support they were given to help them with the documentation that was required and that prospects it. Um, import-export environment that they found themselves in. And that's something quite unique, being able to tap into kind of resources like that, that generate that sort of gain, that sort of support. But, um, you know, Mark, I think you might have known that, you know, some of the things that we've done with Bucks is around employability. And we're very lucky in High Wycombe to have a university. The university is a member of the chamber. And therefore, it engages with the chamber to create opportunities for local businesses, to match students, to create, op- you know, work placements and um, and even time kind of get into the areas around apprenticeships and things of that nature as well. So I, I think the thing is, it's also about looking at the local flavour. So each county, you know, has a different, unique kind of flavour. And another area that Buckinghamshire is strong is within the creative industries, and it's about how the chamber can help support that industry as well. So it's it's what's great about Bucks. How can we leverage that, and how can we support the members in Bucks in terms of a national picture and an international picture as well?
1: You can hear the passion, uh, you know, the the shining through there, Mark, and. That, yeah. And and just to just to add to that, I've, I've got the same at a regional level, the same purpose and principle and I've got I've got 52 other chief executives that represent accredited chambers across the UK and on my network call today we're each um, cooperating but there's an element of competition there about how we get the key messages across to central government about what our respective business communities need and vying for that attention and that uh, and that support as well as as well as working together so so at at a local level that's not dissimilar but there's far more that binds us in terms of a national organisation. And there is a divider so that that's that's very much the the spirit and the rationale you're, you're, as richard put it succinctly you know you're joining a local chamber but you are part of a, a national and, and, and global network as well there are actually 130 worldwide global chambers as well which which again uh, extend the, the the reach if you're on a marlow or high Wycombe based business that, that's looking to enter a new market wherever that might be and there's some good examples we've had i've had enjoyed personally working with those companies to fulfill those global ambitions.
0: I like the combination of collaboration and competition. Wow, that was hugely alliterative. I, I'm <laughs> impressed with And you can write that down if you like. I expect to see that in your marketing soon. When you've got Paul, you've got Richard and Buckinghamshire saying, we want this to happen, and you've got whoever in Oxfordshire saying Rich, Rich is saying you need to paint it. Blue. You've got people in Oxfordshire saying no, 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 you need to paint it blue. While, while Bartram says it's got to be red. None of those are political colours. That I'm trying, but. How how do you go about balancing because you need to present a Thames Valley Chamber perspective, but if you've got these different perspectives from the different counties, as Richard said, and as a local resident and local businessman, I know that the needs and wants and flavour of those counties is is quite different. Does that give you a challenge to balance those out?
1: That's a it's a really good point. I think it's one of the early learnings as chief executive that I that I, I think in terms of the. The, the policy asks from our local chambers. I was coming away with more than we were able to prioritize, and I took some advice. We took some advice with organisations like uh, Cicero, who are, you know, um, well-known lobbyists and and advisors to to government and to and to business. And and their advice was: you need to get these priorities down to five or six. Make them succinct. Make your point. And so there's there's a there's a kind of an iterative iterative process between local priorities turning those into what's then called our Business Manifesto. So what does that mean? It means for an organisation that's based in, uh, whether you're based in Banbury or based in in Swindon, we pick those five or six key priorities to lobby with at a regional level. And then Richard will be working with our policy colleagues here at HQ to articulate what, what might be needed more at a local level as well. So it is, as you say, it, it, it is it is collaborative, and there's a there's a there's a good amount of intensity to those conversations as well, because these things are important, uh, and, and particularly important, important right now with the with the, the pressures that are upon and the cost pressures and and challenges that businesses are, are facing. It's a good environment to be in.
2: And and just to add to that, because we have our local chamber advisory groups, of which sit in you know Slough and Oxfordshire and, and you know the different counties up up to Swindon as well. And what's nice about the 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 fact that we've kind of transitioned to a kind of Zoom environment in which we can have meetings and which which enables us to do something we've never done before, which means that all the different LCAGs can get on together, and we can learn from that shared experience. And you know, and it might be about connectivity between Swindon and Oxfordshire, for example, in terms of you know road infrastructure, or it might be about you know links to Heathrow, or it might be about issues around what's going on in the Slough or the Reading communities. And I think. The other thing is that the 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 presidents don't feel that they're sitting alone that they have the opportunity to 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 mirror you know what they're thinking with the other presidents so that it actually great creates greater strength i think because you know you're not isolated and you have that that combination of 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 rich you know experience that feeds into the decision making and also those local policy priorities
0: okay so just suppose let's pretend for a moment that i and motivated to join the chamber, just pretending. And I am a solopreneur based in Marlow. Mentoring and coaching is my what my business is all about. There's somebody else who runs an engineering company in Slough with 35 employees. And there's somebody else who might be Heathrow Airport Limited or Vodafone or one of the, you know, the huge employers in the area. Are we all joining in the same way at the same rate how does that all work
1: different chambers tend to work in different ways around that mark in terms of how they cut and dice and market segment to be able to provide the value proposition that ultimately will be able to explain that return on investment and we're one of the growing number of chambers that have actually modernised the way that we present ourselves in terms of a, in terms of membership. So traditionally, what used to happen was if you were a, a, an entrepreneur, as you said, Mark, or if you were imp- employing six people, then as a result of the old regime, you would be put into box A because of the number of employees you have, and the offer would then be represented in terms of a pound and pence as to what that is on an annual subscription basis. And and for many years, and for many chambers, that continues to work. But early in my tenure here, one of the things that, that we recognised was that we had a huge number of smaller businesses, most of those looking to trade internationally, most of those with a unique, an interesting and exciting proposition that weren't necessarily having the opportunity to engage with larger businesses in a, in, in a meaningful way. And I don't necessarily mean putting people in the corner of the room and, and selling to them. We've all perhaps done that and we've all been on the receiving end of it but it's much more effective if we're finding a consensus building around reasons to have people in a, in a particular room or a particular forum be it by sector or by issue or by so on. So the proposition that we have is based around what it is you are looking for from your membership. So if you have six employees and you are looking to engage on a particular issue or a particular um, challenge that you've got or if you've got a Perhaps you're you're looking at, at launching a new product, for example. So the focus is mainly around profile raising. You could pick and choose on a sliding scale to what level you want to to, to get involved and to uh, and, and to join. That's led to greater diversity in our membership because we now have smaller businesses and larger businesses across multiple sectors having conversations in in new ways about what's uh, in, important to them. And and I think it's brought a new vibrancy to to how we go about doing what we do.
0: Richard Donnelly. The chief execs on the call, so you might want to be careful what you say, but is that working? Does, does that is that the happiness?
2: Well, I can tell you that the old way wasn't working because it didn't include it, it didn't have that level of inclusivity that ena- enabled, you know, those smaller businesses to gauge at different levels. So it's about, you know, what is the appropriate level of membership for your organization? What do you want to achieve? And so, you know, we we kind of workshopped this a while ago now and worked a structure that that allowed, you know, obviously it wasn't about size that, de- that determined your membership. It was about what accessibility you want to services and products and support and engagement. And therefore, you know, you could be a, a multinational in Reading and, and join at the kind of almost the kind of entry level, if you like. You could be a sole trader like yourself and join at, at the highest level and have ultimate accessibility to all the all, all the opportunities within that level. So uh, I think for me, it was always about fair inclusivity for SME businesses to, to be treated in, in a way that was equal to those larger organisations. And I think that's representative of the counties, of, of the regions, in terms of the amount of super large companies opposed to those smaller SME companies and the roles that they play.
0: And I guess membership is not compulsory. So each year, I, yeah, at a certain point, somebody's membership comes up for renewal and they have to make a decision at that moment. So, do I give you the money and be a member for another year or do I not? And if they don't, it implies. They don't think they're getting an ROI, and I completely understand that. That's sometimes because you get out of something what you put into it, and they haven't put into it. You you have to get involved to get to get the benefits. But in terms of if you're happy to share, in terms of the sort of the percentage or the numbers of people who renew membership, that for me is a, a really key indicator of whether people believe they're getting the ROI. Any thoughts on that? You're absolutely right. I, 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 and there will be a number
1: at the end There's Mark, I promise, because your listeners are what they'll be interested in doing. It is for us, for all the patients you can have with members and for all the, the activities that you undertake, being a subscription model means that ultimately it will come down to whether you are compelling an individual or an organisation to stick with you and to grow with you. Our retention rate is 96.2%. That includes business failures as well. So, you know, we all want 100% in terms of um, uh, everything in life, but that compares well against the the national average. And I think it does also reflect the business model that we have, which is that for the greater, greater majority of members, we we have an account manager who will be responsible for not just having that renewal conversation but actually making sure that or ensuring that there doesn't need to be a renewal conversation at um year you know month nine of 12 month subscription. So I'm really proud of what we've we've managed to uh, achieve in the, in the current climate around that and it also says a lot about the resilience of the region. Yeah, and
0: I have to say you have every right to be proud of that. That's a
1: non number. What was it again 96.2? Yeah, it's not a radio station. I know you're a big fan of those, but it's, it is,
0: it probably it's, is a radio station. I I love that you know it and I love how high it is because for me that says an awful lot. There was just one other thing I wanted to touch on before we we close off and you you mentioned your links with central government but I believe which is obviously very valuable for you to be able to feed members views directly into ministers and perhaps above. But I think you're also involved with the Department for International Trade. And I just wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about how they engage with the Chamber and vice versa. Chambers across the the UK
1: are delivery partners for DIT in terms of trade facilitation and trade promotion. And I'm, again, proud to be working with an organisation that has an outstanding reputation around both trade, but also what is quite unique around, which is unique around the, the Chamber network, is as well as our reputation around aspects of import and export also around inward investment which is a kind of civil service phrase really but what it means is it means that we're responsible for helping to promote this part of the world to so companies from overseas who are looking at creating jobs and looking at creating wealth and looking at setting up um, new UK subsidiaries here. So Buckinghamshire for Berkshire, for Oxfordshire, for Swindon. We've we've got a a long track record in in doing that, particularly from the US and from Japan and from um, increasingly from other new markets as well. So that's our role. We are we are the delivery partner and and we are the shoe leather on the ground, working with companies to make sure that not only they choose this, this, choose the UK, choose the Thames Valley, but once they're set up here, we plug them into the local network and that local network may be introductions to companies like um, Richard's or, or yours or suppliers that will help, the, help them to be successful and to, uh, and to grow. Um, so it's a well established and long long standing relationship that we have now. So it's on, on the side that's been running for, for 13 years. It's, uh, it's an important component of what we do. Again, going back to that inclusivity and, uh, and diversity.
0: There's a lot of businesses out there nationally where if you say to them what is a chamber of commerce the answer will be it's a network group and I think that what you just said about the relationship with GIT is a very small part of the reason that it's so much more than a networking group. I know you do have some networking events, but it's about lobbying central government, it's about working up businesses all over the country, and it's about that relationship with GIT. it's about the international trade thing, it's I don't know any networking group that does all of those things. Uh, so I think that, that's a huge differentiator
1: I still enjoy the networking piece, and I'm glad to be back to face to face. I have to say that. I mean, we've we've got our our, our Bucks Meet the Chamber event in 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 High Wycombe um, next next week, and and that for me is a huge part of what we do because all the services and the lobbying and so on is 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 important. It helps to make us you know unique in that respect. There's nothing like being able to make those face to face introductions as as well as those digital platform introductions as as well so we, 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 it's great to be back um, in, in Bucks and, and elsewhere doing those things.
2: It is about making the most as well I think you touched on that and it, yes obviously there is this greater picture this greater engagement the DIT and so on and so forth it's like having a membership to the AA and never driving a car and then complaining that you get no value so I think it, yeah. I think it's important that you know, when you become a member, that you you, you really you exploit that membership and you make the most of it because you can go along to these groups, you can you go along to the networking, you can look on the website for the resources, you can do all those things, and that's where the value is. So it, 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 you, you do you do need to work at getting value out of membership, and I think it's foolish to think otherwise.
0: I, for one, know a lot more about Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce than I did before. I am sure that the same goes for listeners. And I want to thank you both for doing that. I've been speaking to Paul Britton, CEO of Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce, and Richard Collins, who's here today wearing the hat of president of the Buckinghamshire Chamber, but also it runs and is the founder of CSR Accreditation. What I'd love you both to do is send me relevant contact details link to a website, social media channels, whatever you fancy, and I will put those in the podcast notes for when this goes out so that listeners can easily, with one click or a touch of a finger, can can reach you. I want to say thank you very much. I've enjoyed it and I hope you had too. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Brilliant, this is Mark Harris of Enterprise Doctor saying thank you for listening and signing off.